Welcome to Kineo Stream of Thought. I'm Paul Westlake, Solutions Consultant at Kineo, and today we're discussing the death of Flash. Pleased to say today I'm joined by Pete Smith, Tech Team Lead, Kirsty Hames, Front End Developer, Tom Adams, Senior Lead Learning Designer. So I think we've all heard in the press about the uh, reported death of Flash. I think it's something that's been coming for many, many years, but it seems at the moment there's a real definite date on it, and I think uh, Adobe are helping that by finally admitting that they're going to stop developing or stop supporting Flash from 2020, I think. So um, if it's not an obvious question, well, why does that matter to us in e-learning and what's wrong with Flash? From my perspective, um, I haven't been designing things for a specific delivery in Flash for quite a few years now. Um, it's been much more around sort of the ADAPT HTML5 framework. Um, so for me, when we first, when I was first aware of the topic for the podcast, I kind of thought, well, is anybody doing anything in Flash now anyway? Um, and I'm not sure if people are still building things in Flash or whether it's more of a legacy thing um, that people have got large libraries of courses that still exist and they may not be able to access potentially in the future. And it's interesting you taking that from a, obviously a designer's perspective and you specifically working in certain tools. From a sales perspective, from myself, you, I think you'd be surprised at how many of our clients do still have a legacy sort of catalogue. You know, in, in some cases, a lot of courses that were written in Flash and are questioning, oh, it's still going to work. You know, Yeah, we won't develop anything new in Flash, so it's not going to go away. Is that, is that fair that they think that? I think there's uh, an element of truth to that. I mean, I, I do agree with Tom, where for the last few years, the only flash work that we've really seen come into the team has been amends to existing courses. We've had very, very few requests for completely brand new bespoke flash courses. It has happened, but generally people are looking ahead to the future when they're commissioning new courses, and they've realized that the future doesn't actually really include flash. Um, we've had that message for at least the last four or five years. So hopefully it's not coming as a surprise to anyone. At the same time, I know you're right. I know there's a whole ocean of Flash courses out there which are still being used by clients and which at some point will need to be updated before everything stops supporting it. And when you say before everything stops supporting it, what's the danger for those people? Is that, are those courses surely aren't just going to stop working overnight or, or are they? Well, they, they haven't worked on touch devices, so iOS devices, um, ever. The danger now is that desktops at long last are going to stop supporting mm. them. So already we are seeing some of the leading browsers not enabling the Adobe Flash plugin by default. And um, Safari is going to go that way very shortly. Chrome is going to stop having it enabled by default. And so people are going to have to fiddle around with their settings in the fairly near future to actually see that content. Why are those browsers stopping to support that, Pete? Is that security concerns or is, is it just, you know, there's no point in supporting it anymore because no one's developing in it? Is it sort of that catch-22 or is there another reason why, you know, Google with Chrome or Apple with Safari are deciding not to support that? That's a very good and a very big question. There, there are lots of different reasons why all the major browser manufacturers have decided to go down this route and stop supporting Flash. The most cited one is probably the security issue. It's, it's a bit of a difficult issue, though, because security is a problem for browsers anyway. Flash is just one element of that security picture. But um, increasingly, the, the kind of web content that you see which uses Flash are things like adverts, so the things which the owners of a website don't necessarily build. Mm. 
and they have caused all sorts of performance issues over the years. They are potential security risks. So yes, that is one fairly major reason. So from a, a designer's perspective then, or a developer's perspective, do we do we need to bear something else in mind if we're not developing in Flash? What what changes? What how, how do your job roles change because we're not developing in Flash anymore and we're maybe using, you say, HTML5? Oh, I think clients' um, requirements and the things they're after are changing as well, which is probably one of the reasons why we're moving further away from Flash. So for now, a lot of people want the web page sort of experience. They want scrolling pages. This is something we don't really do in Flash. Um, they want wider support for devices, for browsers. Um, a lot of e-learning gets global, so we're having to do translations. Mm. We're looking at right-to-left support. There's just a lot more things we consider now that maybe we weren't thinking about, say, five, ten years ago. And maybe looking at mobile first as well. You know, Pete's already said this stuff doesn't work on iPhones. Well, you know, I think the assumption, certainly when I go and speak to a client now about any piece of learning, it's not does it work on, an, on a mobile. In, in a lot of cases, it's, it's flipped and it's now can they do this on the desktop if they wanted to? You know, so the assumption is I think it's mobile first, which, again, you know, that pretty much counts flash out for, from, from the get-go. Yeah, and I think from a learning design perspective, the way that we put, put content together now is quite different from how we did it in the Flash days. In Flash, um, it was very much done on a screen-by-screen basis, so content was kind of chunked up and the learner would work through it mm. in quite a linear way. But now, with a longer scrolling page, you can kind of make more content available to the learner within one page, so they can scroll around and scroll back up, and and it's just a different experience for them. And it does open up new avenues of thought when it comes to design, not just designing for desktops, which it was much more in the flash days, but also designing from from a mobile first and thinking about the user interface and user experience um, across different devices, which we didn't think about so much before. That would, that would imply we should be thanking Adobe for killing it off if we're now going towards scrolling pages and you know a, a decent user experience for a piece of learning. It'll make a nice change. Get away from the, the click next button, yeah? Well, yeah, it's, it's, in, it's, it's interesting for a learning designer to have a variety of different layouts and styles and approaches uh, available. So we can still do like a, a click next style. Um, the retro style. It, yeah, like we can still do that experience, but we've got other, we're not restricted to just that one. We can do other things too, which is always nice. So without wanting to scaremonger, imagine I'm a client and I've got a, you know, a big suite of um, e-learning content all written in Flash, does the job, the content, you know, maybe it could do with a bit of a spruce up in terms of look and feel, but other than that, it's, it's sort of doing the job for me. So are we saying that the danger there potentially is that this could literally stop working if the browser that my people are viewing it on doesn't support Flash anymore. So that's the first bit, and I think the answer to that is, yes, potentially it could. So then think of that as the worst-case scenario, then. I'm now in a position where I need to do something with all of this content to update it to HTML5. And is that just a... Is that easy to do? Is that in, bring it into a, a tool and... Um, you know, republish it out with a different drop-down setting to say, don't use Flash anymore, use HTML5? Or, you know, is it that easy? I had to go with no. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was my concern, and I'm sure that was the case. So, so how can people, what can people do about it? Does it need to be totally redesigned again? 
It, a lot of it depends on what the the course was built in. If it was a bespoke flash course, then yes, we'd need to take a fresh look at the functionality and build it again in another platform, whether it's a, an authoring tool, whether it's a DAP tool, whether it's something else entirely. Which may not be a bad thing, by the way, because it means we can go back and revisit, as Tom was saying, and maybe look at it in a slightly different way. That's right. It might not be a bad thing at all. And actually, even though the world of e-learning has changed, a lot of the interactions that we use on a regular basis are actually going to be fairly similar. They will have their equivalents. It's the only area where we're going to really struggle, I think, is where we've built something which is particularly rich, or particularly in the area of games, because that's the final thing that we've not touched on with Flash. And actually, that's the final area where Flash has been thriving up until now. It's those small web-based video games that you see or used to see all the time in Facebook and right the way across the web. So anything which is a good, rich multimedia game built in Flash, we're going to have to have a bit of a think about the best way of building it. And I think that the other thing to bear in mind, uh, if you've got old Flash courses that need to be uh, rebuilt, not only is it a good time to rethink the design potentially, um, but also things like accessibility, because Flash was notoriously bad for allowing uh, or meeting any kind of accessibility requirements. And uh, now more modern tools or frameworks have um, elements in place that make compatibility with a screen reader uh, and other sort of tab tab through functionality um, easier and better than it was in the Flash days. It's not the fact that Flash wasn't accessible, it's just it was quite uh, limited and I think it was quite a, a bit of a, a difficult setup as well. Whereas HTML5, it's semantic language, so already you have accessibility to a certain degree. There's still a lot of further work we have to do to make accessibility, to make sure that it's screen reader compatible. Um, but I think we've got more scope with HTML5 and what we can do with it as opposed to Flash. And is, is HTML5 a standard now? As in, does everyone use the same HTML5? It, is that where we're at? Yeah. Well, well that's good, because I, I think when Steve Jobs started talking about the sort of death of Flash, but he was saying about, are we using a version of HTML5? And I think that was part of the worry. It was, well, is everyone using that same version? Of a different? But we are in a position now where we've got a standard. HTML5 was a very big standard. It took ages for the browsers to actually catch up and implement the bulk of it. And it's uh, still developing as well. So you will find new things constantly coming in. And the problem I was talking about before of supporting multiple different browsers, all of them have got a slightly different implementation um, or a slightly different take on some aspects of HTML5. And not all of them will have implemented quite as much of the total standard as some of the others. But most of the modern authoring tools that we can buy off the shelf, I know we, we create a lot of stuff by, by hand or by, by scratch, from scratch, if you like, in Adapt. But the likes of um, Storyline and Rise, and they all export to HTML5, don't they, with the drop-downs, so they're quite happily supporting that. Yes, they do, and they, they have done for quite some time. I think Storyline was the, the last to cling on to Flash as the default way of publishing that content. But yes, all of the more modern ones all use HTML5. Okay. Is there anything that we miss from Flash or, or having to look at in, in a slightly different way? So I'm thinking 
from what I've seen we say an adapt course it's not common for us to do the the dreaded drag and drop which I'm not suggesting is a bad thing but do we not do so much of that sort of thing because that was easier and more um, in quotes gamey that we would have been easier to do in flash do we do we have to think about things in a slightly different way if we're not developing in flash there's one reason as well why we kind of avoid those sort of interactions as well is they're not very accessible right it's kind of hard to have a a partially sighted user or blind having to do... Pick this you know, up and throw it in that bucket or yeah, drag and drop it here. And exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and also with a small, you know, with a uh, smartphone-sized screen, um, yeah, the accessibility thing is a big thing, but also just the general usability thing. So if you've got a small screen and you're, you're dragging small drag items into small boxes that may or may not be visible within the screen size that you're looking at, it can get a bit... Um, finicky uh, poor experience that was actually one of the reasons that steve jobs originally cited for not wanting to support flash on his iphone it was the fact that flash was very much designed around a keyboard and mouse Mm. and so there was an expectation there that you would use a mouse for most of those interactions and it wasn't designed with the idea of having um gesture control yeah and and as we know now you know we in probably the last I'd say probably in the last two years, we've moved from a position of, you know, and certainly conversation I'm having with clients, which is, can it work on an iPhone or can it work on an iPad, which is a conversation I was having two years ago, to, you know, the assumption is it works on those things now and occasionally we might need to do it on a desktop. So, you know, I think by moving away from Flash, you know, we're sort of breaking those shackles and letting people do it on the devices they actually have rather than, you know, what, what they've been told they can use. And similarly, obviously, my background of being in a, in a big corporate where we have machines that were massively locked down, you know, and people didn't have a say in what they installed on their machine. They were, you know, given a machine, even installing plugins that let Flash play at certain times was, was a pain and was difficult. So, you know, overnight, again, I got a new laptop and Lo and behold, I can't access any e-learning content anymore. Yeah, we can't have it like that with compliance learning. Oh, there's some real horror stories with that. So I do get flashbacks to those days occasionally. <laughs> flashbacks, because, very good. Uh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, because Adobe controlled those releases, and every now and then they would come up with a release which had a really horrible bug in it. And while they would patch it and fix it pretty quickly, you would occasionally find that that was the release that your major corporate clients had chosen for their... Course. Six monthly flash <laughs> updates, and so suddenly you get a call from the client saying that every single one of their courses, which had worked perfectly up to that point, was broken. And how are you going to fix it? Yes, it suddenly became our point. And we're, exactly. so, you know, well, maybe Steve Jobs did have a point then, because that's what I think it was part of what he was worried about with the phones. It, you know, is something going to change on Flash, and all of a sudden the phones aren't going to work, and we're going to have queues out the door at the Apple store saying, why doesn't this device I bought of you actually work? So well, maybe. Well, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not entirely convinced, though. <laughs> so let's imagine then I am this corporate that's got a whole suite of Flash courses. I know that I'm on a burning platform. I know I've got to do something about it. Where do, how do I get started? So I think rather than seeing it as a sort of potential uh, problem, um, you could look at it quite positively in that it's a really good opportunity to revisit your existing library, make sure that everything's still up to date and fit, fit for purpose, identify things that you do want to convert into a new format, and then um, look at different ways of doing that. So obviously we can do that here at Kineo, or you can look at different ways of doing it within the tools that you might use in-house. Um, but, but yeah, as I say, it's a good opportunity to revisit your content, rethink the design, and maybe redesign it in, in a way that's going to make the most of all the different devices that are now available. 
If you'd like to continue the conversation or would like to discuss how to get started with your own content conversion, you could drop us a line at Kineo on Twitter or contact us at kineo.com.